Welcome to the Reality Revolution. Today, I have another fantastic Neville Goddard lecture. This one is called The Only God as I Am, delivered on March 10th, 1969. This lecture also has the title You Can Never Outgrow I Am. Having recently read the I Am disclosures on the channel, the concept and power of the I Am is incredibly interesting to me, and here Neville dedicates a lecture to the I Am. The only God that man will never outgrow and therefore never lose is the God he knows in the first person present tense experience. When he finds this God, he then tells his brothers, as you are told in scripture, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He comes to reveal God as the eternal contemporary, and man finds it difficult, almost impossible to keep the tense, for he reveals God as I am. Unless you believe that I am is he, you die in your sins. John 8.24 No man who will think of God in the third person knows God. When you address God in the second person, you do not know God. You will only know God in the first person in a present tense experience. Just imagine that no one sinned until he came. In the fullness of time, God reveals himself, and man had never sinned before, for it's not held against him until God comes and reveals himself in the first person, in the present tense. Everyone who believed in him, who has the experience, continues the tradition and tells it in the first person, present tense. But he will receive no greater reception than the one who first came to tell it, because they will say of him, I know this man, I know his parents. How can he say, I came down from heaven? We know him. When the Christ comes, no one will know how he appears, for man is looking for Christ to come from without. He doesn't come from without. The revelation is whispered from within. It seems to come from without, but he's approaching from within. It is all the individual. He is awakening from within. I have been crucified with Christ. It is not I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20 He actually became me. Now what is his name? I am. That's his name. Unless you believe that I am he, you die in your sins. John 8.24 Is that his name? Well, isn't that the name of God? Yes. You mean he is God? Yes. Tell me who is your father. If you knew me, you would not ask, for no man can know me without knowing God. For he and I are one. So here, the revelation is I am, not a thing in the world, but God. What child in this world is not aware that he or she is 
And to be aware that we are is to say I am. And that is God. And all things are possible to God, but man has great trouble in keeping the tense. He is always speaking of God in the third person, and occasionally, if he's in the silence or praying, he might speak of God in the second person and address him as thou. But how many know him in the first person, in the present tense? For that is God. And there is no other God. Against thee and thee only have I sinned, said David in his 50th Psalm. Only thee can I sin against. I don't know you, but I must know you only in the first person in the present tense. Will it work? Well, put it to the test. Just try it. Just try it. There is a lady in New York City. I'm going back now years and years ago. She had little, but very little, lived in a rooming house in Brooklyn. On Sunday morning, she would go out and buy a Sunday morning paper for her next-door neighbor, who was an old lady. And she thought the old lady was simply on charity and relief of some kind, for she lived very frugally. When she heard me, she assumed, and she named it, $50,000 in cash. She didn't have 50,000 pennies. She didn't have 5,000 pennies, but she assumed that she had $50,000 in cash. That's what she wanted. Within a year, the old lady died, and she thought the old lady was on charity. She left exactly in cash $50,000 to this lady whose name was Miss Needy. Odd name. But what was her name? Needy. She also left in excess of $30,000 in jewelry, old-fashioned and an old-fashioned cut, but it was valued at over $30,000. So she got an estate in excess of $80,000 by keeping God in the present tense. I am. She started there, well, I am wealthy. I have $50,000 in cash. She didn't go beyond it. But remember, it is always pressed down, shaken together, and running over. But she did get her $50,000 in cash. Then she got in excess of $30,000 in jewelry. That lady now lives in Boston. Because whenever I go to New York City, she comes in and spends the three weeks that I'm in New York City lecturing to attend all the lectures. I go there and spend four or five weeks and give a series of, say, 15 talks in a three-week period. She's always there. She has found him. I want everyone who hears me to find him. When you find this, you'll never lose him. First of all, you can't outgrow him. One can outgrow any God outside of self. One believes in astrology, and the day will come you can't believe in it anymore. You will believe in teacup leaves, you will believe in all kinds of things like science, and you will outgrow and outgrow, grow and outgrow, but you can't outgrow the God you find in the first person, present tense experience. You just can't do it. That is the God and the only God. And one day everyone will find him. When they find him, they talk about him and they tell their brothers because there are brothers in eternity looking down on this world of Caesar and saying to each other, awaken, soon they will awake, soon they will return to us, for we are one with those who have already awakened. We can only rejoin the heavenly society 
and they're constantly contemplating this world and they're looking, seeing everyone. All the little things where we are awakening from the dream of life. So if I had not come, said he, and spoken to them, they would have no sin. They couldn't miss the mark because they didn't have any. But now they have no excuse for their sin. I revealed God to them in the first person. He who sees me sees him who sent me. Well, who sent you? My father. Well, who is your father? My father is he whom you call God. Only I know my father and ye know not your God. This is my father who sent me and we are one. Well, they did not believe in him. So when he comes, he says, I will convince you of sin. What sin? Because you did not believe in me. You did not actually believe in me. Now we are told the story has been taught and told to every creature under heaven. Can you believe that? That's what we're told in Colossians, the first chapter, that every creature under heaven heard this story but has forgotten it. How did we hear it? We are told the story was preached to Abraham before that the world was. For the scripture foreseeing that all would be saved through faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, In you all the nations be blessed. Galatians 3.8 Well, we all start from that state called Abraham, which is the state of faith. So we heard it. And then we went astray. Went sound asleep and forgot it and made idols and spoke of God in the third person and spoke to him in the second person and that is not God at all. God is the eternal contemporary in the first person. When you say I am, that's he, that's God. There never was another God and there never will be another God. That is God. So put him to the test. Without faith, we are told it is impossible to please him can't please him without faith. Well, now faith does work on this level. No question about it. Everything you have brought in through faith. But the glory of faith lies in its power to link us to this heavenly realm. We heard the story. Now, can we keep it in spite of trouble? No matter what happens to me, I can rest myself upon the vision. I know what I have experienced. I know what I'm trying to tell the world, whoever will listen to me and those who will read what I have to say. I am trying to tell everyone of God. Here, that's the only God and the only creative power in the world. There is no other creative power. So my faith in God is measured by my confidence in myself. Do I really believe in myself? When I sit down and imagine a state, do I really believe it? Do I really believe that that has within itself the power to externalize itself? Or must I now pray to a being on the outside and ask for help there? No. I sit down and imagine a state. And what I imagine must release it in confidence that it must for all things are possible to God it must become an external fact in my world have I tried it? yes time and time again did it prove itself in performance? time and time again 
And are you sharing it with your brothers? Yes. Every time that I talk to them, I share it with them. To what extent I get over to them to where they can accept it, I do not know. I have no way of knowing to what extent man will accept it. Because he does find trouble in keeping the tense. It's something on the outside. He's always speaking of him in the third person. You go to church. You go to your synagogue. No matter where you go, it's always he. And he did this and he said so and so. When you speak of the Lord, it's not I am. It's something on the outside. Yet he comes from within. When Moses heard, I am has sent me unto you, it seemed to come from without. And yet it was whispered from within. So now comes the visible picture called Jesus Christ. And he seems to come from without. He doesn't. He is coming from within. There is no evidence whatsoever in this world of any historical Jesus Christ. We have the evidence of Christ, but not the historical Jesus Christ. This that is talking to you, this is only a garment. But the being within you who is speaking is the Christ. This on the outside, yes, everyone knows his background. Those who know him know his parents, his physical garment, his limitations, all these weaknesses they know. How do you say you come from heaven? How do you say you came out from God and you call him your father when we know your father, Joseph, and your mother, Wilhelmina, all those things? How do you know? He said. I do not know what you know concerning this. I am from above. How could you be from above? You are from below. I am in the world. I am not of the world. John 8, 23. For the being that woke within me is the one that is speaking. This is not the same being that has fun in the social world, the world that will dine and drink with anyone in this world and have fun. But the being who speaks is the being of which I am totally aware, who came from within, who awoke within me who is not in any way part of this world. That's the being who is talking to you. And that's the being that is in you that I'm trying to reach when I speak to you. Trying to stir him awake. For it can't be too far away when that one that I'm trying to address will awake. Then all together return to those who have already awakened and together they form the Lord, the one grand I am so here believe me when I tell you the only sin is the sin against the being that you really are against thee thee only have I sinned who the Lord he's still speaking of thee of another he's addressing him against thee suddenly he realizes it's all within himself the whole book is all about me And I inspired the prophets to write what they did, finding no one to play the part I came in to play it myself. I conceived the play and then came in to play it to fulfill what I had predicted, what I foretold that I would do. And now here's the pattern. Christianity is based upon the affirmation that a certain series of supernatural events happened in which God revealed himself in action for the salvation of man. Did these events really happen. I know they did, for I've experienced every 
event recorded in that gospel, but every event. Today I was going over my little notes as I mark it against the passage to find even a simple little thing like what you must do, do quickly. And here, I read it, and against that I had marked the day when it happened to me, the 10th of October 1966, where they're all seated as told you in that passage, all seated, and then suddenly he who has to do it quickly rose, and it was quick. He didn't delay. He simply jumped from that position where he was seated on the floor and departed quickly. Then just as quickly came the authority to whom he had revealed what I said concerning the word of God. For I was preaching to this crowd of twelve men all seated on the floor. Then this one jumped up and went quickly to the door. And then came this one in glorious attire, beautiful robes, costly robes, straight as an arrow, about six feet, four inches or more. Then he circled the room in a square and then came before me and unveiled my arm. To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Isaiah 53, 1. He took the entire sleeve off and then hammered the peg into my shoulder, which he did first. But here, the one who revealed it moved quickly, and he rose and moved quickly. That same little statement, take a red-letter edition of the Bible and find the word of the Lord. And these are the words not yet in the old but related and just read the red letters and see how everything about it you fulfill. The entire drama unfolded within me, so I know who Christ is. It's a pattern, the perfect pattern that God sent into the world. So I have been crucified with Christ, and so have you. You can say these words, the crucifixion is over, because the first shall be the last, and the last the first. Well, in this story, the last would be crucifixion. It's the first. We have been crucified with Christ. It is not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20 He actually became me. Christ became you. Yes, you mean his name is Christ. Well, his name is I Am. That is his name. That's the Lord God Jehovah. That's Christ. He is God the Father and he became me. He died in the sense of completely forgetting who he was to believe that he's actually this being that he's now playing. Unless I die, thou canst not live. But if I die, I shall arise again, and thou with me. Blake, Jerusalem, plate 96. So he rose within me. He proved that he could rise having died. But when he rose, I am he. He actually became me in the most intimate sense of the word. So I am he. And then he talks to me from within and reveals himself to me from within. In the beginning, he seemed to have spoken from without, yet it is being whispered from within. And he seemed to appear from without, and yet he was coming from within. Finally, when he completely came from within, everything said of him in scripture unfolded within me. Can we actually accept it and keep the tense? It's so important to keep the tense and never turn to the second person or the third person. It's all from within us. I am he. Unless you believe that I am is he, 
you will die in your sins. John 8.24 Put the little word is in between it to give meaning to it. As you read it now, unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. And you think a being on the outside is speaking to you if you put the little is in between it. Unless you believe I am is he, you will die in your sins. You'll keep on missing the mark. So I want to be rich. I want to be this. I want to be that. Well, if I don't believe that I am the cause of wealth, the cause of poverty, the cause of everything in my world, then I keep on missing the mark. The real mark is to know who God is. You'll never lose this God ever in eternity. When he reveals himself within you in the first person, present tense, experience, all of a sudden he comes all from within and the whole thing is God unfolding. But he doesn't call himself God. His name is I Am. So who rose in that tomb? I did. You mean I? Yes, I rose. Was there another? No, there's no other. I rose and who came out? I did. I came out of the tomb. Was there any help? No. I pushed the stone away myself and when I came out and looked back at that out of which I came, that happened. There were witnesses as told me in the book of Genesis. For did I not inspire the prophets to write it? Did not three appear before Abraham, the center of it all where I started? Was he not seated in the tent, the door of the tent, in the heat of the day and suddenly appeared? Who appeared? The Lord. Three men appeared. But one as he spoke, he knew he was the Lord, and he speaking concerning the child. Did you find him? Yes, I found him. Did he promise a child? Yes, he promised one that laughed. He called him Isaac, and Isaac simply means he laughs. That's all it means. Genesis 17, 15 through 19. Did the child laugh? Oh yes, he laughed. And did you take him in your arms like Simeon? Yes, I did. Did you hear the storm wind that accompanied it? Yes, I did. Well, then who is Christ? Who is the Lord? Does it fulfill, does scripture fulfill itself within you? Yes, I have come to fulfill scripture and the scripture must be fulfilled in me. Luke twenty-two thirty-seven. So the whole thing was fulfilled within me. Well, did you see the temple and it was torn from top to bottom? No, I was torn from top to bottom. That's right. You are told in scripture that you are the temple. Are you not? And so if the curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom and you are the temple, then you would have be torn from top to bottom. That's exactly what happened. The mountain was simply torn from top to bottom. One went north, one went south. And here the entire riven being stood before me and then I went up. So the whole thing unfolded in me. Well now, did you find the one that he set in the beginning to reveal to you that you are the father? Yes. Well, who is he? David. Well, that's not what the priesthoods teach. I don't care what they teach. I'm telling you what I found, and I'm telling you what scripture confirms. For I have found David, and he cried unto me, Thou art my father, Psalms 89.26. So I found him. I don't care what they say. I'm telling you what I know. They do not believe in him, so they continue in their sins. So they are worshiping a false god. All the priesthoods of the world, all the rabbis, are worshiping an idol for you cannot worship the true god in any sense other than the present his name is i am there is no other name for him 
So you go to a church and you see a picture on the wall and they say, that's the Christ. Christ nothing. When they give a great big statue and they say, that's the Lord. That's not the Lord. Make no graven image unto me. Exodus 24. If you do not see him as yourself, you will not in eternity find him. When he comes, he reveals himself by the use of his son and his son reveals God the Father. Then the thrill when you look and you see your son that in the beginning you set up, you played all the parts, everything in the world, and you condemned none. Not one part in the world did you condemn, for all contributed to the end. For he'll rise, and you'll rise to find God, for the goal of life is to find him, and you find him not on the outside, you'll find him only within yourself, in the first person, present tense. The world thinks you're insane when you talk about it, because you are still wearing a garment of flesh, and as long as you wear it, you're weak and subject to all the weakness of the world as long as you wear this body. But one day, he will reveal his son in you, not to you, in you, and the whole drama unfolds within you. Then you know how true the whole wonderful world is, and it is for a purpose. Then I can't explain it. And I cannot describe it in words to anyone, for it would make no sense. The joy that is yours when he awakens. The world into which I go night after night and return to darkness into this world every morning, but an entirely different world that has not a thing on earth that I can use an image to describe it. Can't do it. It's an entirely different world and you leave it night after night to return here to tell it to everyone who will hear it. Some believe it, and some do not believe it. Your closest, most intimate friends may not believe it because they know you, and they will judge you by your human weaknesses. Your relatives will judge you by the fact that you came out of the same womb, sired by the same father, and they know you. They cannot for one moment believe that your experiences are related to Scripture. You can point the whole thing out, but they can't follow you, and they don't want to follow you. Well, I'm only asking you to believe it. Believe it, that you may not be convinced of sin, if you believe it and accept it. He said, what must I do to be doing the work of God? Just believe in him whom he has sent. And when I tell you I have been sent, he who sent me is one with me. He's not another. Yet when I stand in his presence, he seems to be another. And we fused and became one. Where did I meet him? From without. No, he came from within. He simply came from within. You mean the recording angel also? Yes, she was from within. The book? Yes. That was from within. Everything is from within. For in the beginning, he foreknew me. He, yes, I foreknew myself. And those whom I foreknew, I predestined. And those whom I predestined, I called. Romans 8.29 That was the moment of the call from the world of Egypt, the world of death. Called that night from within myself. For now, this is the end of your journey. So I call you. I was called by myself within myself, 
by the infinite being of love who is clothed in the human from divine, which is infinite love, and then embraced and fused. For there was a seeming separation for a purpose. The separation was to come out into a world that was not mine, a world that was a strange world, among strangers, and go through hell, go through all the horrors of the world. Then in the end, to be called, and then having been called, he justified me. In other words, I was acquitted. No matter what I did, he acquitted me. The being within myself, which is myself, then came glorification, whom he acquitted. He justified, and whom he justified, he glorified. Now go and tell it. Tell it to everyone in the world who will listen to you and let them have their entire hope set upon this. Oh, that you can become independently secure, certainly. All these things are possible, but the real objective is to find him. That man can become rich. I do not hesitate for one second to tell a man who is completely illiterate that you can become rich as anyone in this world if you believe in God. Well, he says, I'm an atheist. All right. Do you believe in yourself? Can you believe that I am rich? Not a man called Neville, speaking of yourself, when you haven't one nickel in the world? Could you believe it? And night after night sleep as though you were? You'll become it. And then, eventually, you'll find the one God you'll never lose. You'll find the one who made it. And that is God. For millions will speak and say, I believe in God And there are others who say, I don't believe in any God, yet they may believe more in God, the true God, than those who say, I believe in God. There are hundreds of millions who are worshiping God in the third person, so they do not know God. To say, I believe in God, doesn't mean that you know God. But when he comes and reveals who God really is, he always reveals him in the first person. If you take the book of John, it is one I am after the other, which goes back to the third chapter of the book of Exodus, the 14th verse. Go say I am has sent you. So when he comes, say I am has sent me unto you. That is the theme through the entire book of John. He is revealing this, but they know the outer garment and they judge him by the outer garment. He is Joseph's son. He is Mary's son the brother of these and his sisters, and they know everything about him and his weaknesses, but they do not know the Lord. I tell you, when he comes, I can't tell you the shock and the thrill and the awe when it happens, but it will happen and everyone will find the whole drama unfolding within himself. In the meanwhile, in the world of Caesar, test it. There is no limit to his power none whatsoever so you simply take the power and he is the power so I and you name it you put the name on it night after night sleep as though it were true it will take you no time to prove it in the testing no time Miss Needy within a year got her $50,000 and $30,000 in jewelry and I can't tell you her thrill but she knew exactly what she did The last person in this world she would have thought could be used as the means to give her $80,000 was the little old lady 
When she gave her the little paper every Sunday morning, it never occurred to her that the little old lady could afford the paper. She went out and bought the Sunday morning paper for a dime. In those days, the New York Times and the Herald Tribune was a dime, a huge, big, thick issue, and she took it every Sunday morning and gave her the paper. She said, I'm doing my good work as a Christian. Then the little old lady died in a year, and because she was the one who befriended her, she had no relatives. She left her this entire estate of $80,000, but $50,000 was in cash. Now, Miss Needy might have forgotten it. She hasn't forgotten that it works and she comes to all the meetings, but listening to her, she is still inclined towards speaking of him in the third person. Just, it's a habit of man, and Israel forgot and found it's troublesome to keep the tents. So, you say to any Jew today, have you ever read Exodus? Well, maybe they have. It's part of the old tradition that you read the five books of the Old Testament, the first five books in three years, and you read the passage after passage, and it takes three years to read it. Then you go back and start all over again. So every good, well-trained Jew is familiar with the five books, but he still speaks of God in the third person. He finds it so difficult to keep the tense. And one who boldly steps out and keeps it, they think is arrogant. Yet it's the only way to find him. Well, when he comes, you don't have to go out and brag about it. You know who you are. When they call you by your name, you respond, but you know that's the outer man that they're calling and yes you respond maybe you're going to have dinner together have a little party together but the being within they are totally unaware of that being and you don't always throw the pearls before swine you don't try to go into a meeting and instantly begin to unload what you know within because they are not prepared to receive it so you don't do it you go to a party thoroughly enjoy the evening and let the outer man play his part but the inner man they do not know, and that man is Jesus Christ. Not another Christ, there is only one Christ. So he is in every being in the world. I have been crucified with Christ, everyone can say that. And it is not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in this flesh, this blood and flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. God actually became me that I may become God and rise to the one being that we are. But on the other hand, we came down from God. We are the gods. But we had to drink the drink of complete forgetfulness to play these parts. The actor who does not know that he is a part isn't playing a good part. As long as he steps upon that stage and he knows he is an important person, that he is the great actor that the world recognizes, he can't lose himself in the character. When you leave your personality in the dressing room and you step upon the stage, you are the character. So when God stepped upon the stage wearing this, he was Neville, 100%. Neville. He had to completely forget that he was God, knowing that contained within the garment that he's wearing a little while after he wears it, it's going to start erupting. Then I will know who I am. But he had to completely play Neville in order for the something within me to awaken, and it was God within me. So look upon Jesus Christ as the pattern. And then he tells of the pattern, how it erupted within him. Man ignored it. He came unto his own, and his own would not receive him. He told it, and they would not receive him. So what he told, and what we who heard it are capable of receiving are entirely different things. Can we receive what he told as his own personal experience? I can tell you from my own experience it's true. 
the entire story is true from beginning to end, and to set your hope fully upon the grace that is coming to you at the unfolding of the unveiling of God within you. For God either is in you, or you're not alive, and in you his name is I Am. He has to go through a certain series of supernatural events, and when they came to the end, you tell it to those who will hear it. It doesn't matter who accepts it or who does not accept it, you simply tell it. Then in the end, when you take it off, one night you'll take off the garment and you'll return to that world that you go to night after night in the interval that you can't describe to anyone on earth. To the most intimate friend on earth, you can't describe it. There are no words to describe it. There are no images of earth to describe that world. So when you're told eyes have not seen nor ears heard the things that are already prepared for those who love the Lord, 1 Corinthians 2.9. So when you actually enter that world, you can't, they'll ask you, well, what does it look like? And you can't describe it. How are you going to describe life itself where everything is alive, but everything is alive and you are in control of everything in the world? How are you going to describe it? So I know of nothing here that I can use as a symbol to describe that sphere. I only know you pass beyond the world of dream into this world of reality, and you return to the world of dream into this world that is the world of death. You keep on doing it night after night after the experience until that moment in time when it pleases the depth of our own being who is Father to simply take it off and call it a day, the end. Everyone is going to have this experience. So to sin is not to sin against me. You can only sin against yourself, and the self of man is God. Anytime I speak of God in any tense other than the first person present, I am entertaining an idol, entertaining a false god. No matter how you name it, it's a false god. So when you walk through these doors tonight in the consciousness that I am is God, you are walking in the knowledge of the true God. Now all things are possible to God. So you walk tonight as though things are as you want them to be. And then complete trust in God. This is loyalty to unseen reality, and that's faith. For we are told only two things displease God. One is lack of faith, and I am He. And the other is eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil to set up a standard using yourself as the criterion as to what is right and what is wrong. A man wants to grow a beard, let him grow a beard. Long hair, let him grow the long hair. If he wants to wear skirts, let him use the skirts. You are not the criterion of good and evil. So that eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil displeases God, and the lack of faith in I am He displeases God. There is no other displeasure. Only two things displease God. I have searched the scriptures and I can't find a third. So if a man is going to put himself up, and we all seem to play that part at some time, as to what is right and what is wrong using ourselves as the criterion. Well then, you're displeasing the only God in the world. Let them alone and let everyone be what they want to be, provided they don't step upon your toes or the other fellow's freedom. Grant him the freedom that you insist for yourself and don't deny him his right to express himself. At the end of these lectures, Neville would give two minutes of silence, followed by questions and answers, as we will do now. Now let us go into the silence.
Let me remind you again, I am is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is Jehovah. When you say I am, that's he. Now trust it implicitly, for all things are possible to God. Now are there any questions, please? Question. From your experience, Neville, how do you interpret the Beatitudes that say, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God? Neville says, Yes, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Matthew 5.8 To see and to know are the same words in Greek. You will know God, and you will find Him as yourself. No one can tell me what it means to be pure in heart. I know in my own case. If I use the human standard of purity, I could not have judged myself worthy of that experience, and yet I've had the experience of knowing God the Father as myself. So it's an entirely different standard. In the world of flesh and bone, we are animals. As told us in the book of Daniel, we became the animal world, subject to all the horrors of the animal. You were given the brain of an animal, the heart of an animal, and we were made to eat grass like the animals. Times and times go over us until we discovered that the Lord God rules the affairs of men and gives it to whom he will. Daniel 4.16 So I could not honestly be as kind to myself as I have been kind to by the presence within me who set me free. A complete exoneration, a complete acquittal of all the parts that I've played. So the pure in heart cannot be based upon man's concept of what the pure would stand for. At that moment in me, he completely frees me of all the things and he reveals himself as myself. So I free myself because I saw not another, I am he. At first he seemed to be another and that was 30 years before the event. But when it began to erupt within me, there was no other, it was myself. 30 years before in the summer of 1929, I seemed to stand in the presence of another who was infinite love. 30 years later, as told us in scripture, he began his ministry when he was about 30 years of age. Luke 3.23 So when it began to erupt within me, it was not another, it was myself in whom the entire story unfolded. So I can say that everyone will find himself exonerated, everyone will find himself the pure in heart, and he will know himself to be God the Father. And that is the seeing God, because no man has seen him but the son David, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has revealed him, John 1.18. So it takes the Son to reveal the Father, and I am not looking into a mirror when the Son stands before me. He is revealing me as God the Father, it's not another, for no one has ever seen the Father. But the Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has made him known. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him, Matthew 11:27. So the Son suddenly appears and reveals me as God the Father, so that seeing him, yet without looking into the mirror, and that is knowing God the Father. Question, what does the Bible mean when it says that Moses lived 900 years? Neville says that one lived 900 years, or 1,000 years, or 100 years. In Hebrew, every letter has not only a numerical value, but a symbolical value. And so, you must know the alphabet from the 22 letters and the five finals, and each has a numerical value. When we are told, I send you into a land, and you will be enslaved for 400 years, doesn't mean 400 years chronologically speaking, measured by the clock. This is 400. It is 
the 22nd letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and the symbolical value is a cross, and this body is the cross. It's called, in Hebrew, Tau. So as long as I wear this body of flesh and blood, I am on the cross, and therefore I will suffer on the cross. I hang on the cross for 400 years. Now you are told in another scripture it was 430 years. Well, the 30 is simply right after the call. That's when the eruption starts to take place, 30 years after the call. You are called from within. You stand in the presence of love. You are embraced, made one with the being from within you, and then you are sent into the world. After 30 years, you start the ministry, and the ministry is simply the eruption that takes place within you. The whole drama unfolds within you, and then you tell it. So then a man's age in scripture is not necessarily the age that we speak of here. I'm 64 years old. It would mean nothing in scripture. In scripture, they speak of these numbers, and each number has a letter in Hebrew, and each letter has a symbolical value. So 900 would be the serpent. Nine is teth. And then you multiply it, expand it to 900, Zadi. Question. You say the world of Caesar. What do you mean by that? Neville says, this world is the world of Caesar. Even though the Caesars have gone from it, as far as the names are concerned, every tyrant in the world is a Caesar. You can almost say that this world is B.C., before Caesar, before Christ. Even though it is 1969, until he is born in you, you are still living in the world of Caesar. Every child born of woman is born in the world of Caesar or born before Christ. For Christ has to be born in man. Unless you are born from above, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. John 3.3 For flesh and blood cannot enter the kingdom. So it's simply B.C. Well, the world of Caesar, and yet we speak of this as 1969 A.D., after the birth of the Lord, but the birth of the Lord happens individually, not collectively. Therefore, until it happens to the individual, he still is in the world of Caesar, the world of the tyrant, the world of slavery. Everything here is enslaved. I wear this garment, and I'm a slave of this garment. If I had all the money in the world and all the power to command millions of slaves, they cannot perform the natural functions of my body for me. Oh, I can have a bathroom made of gold. I can have the bowl of solid gold, the bathtub solid gold, everything about gold and all the precious stones in the world. But I and I alone must enter there and perform the functions of the body. I can't command anyone to go in there and perform for me the elimination process. I have not only to eat for myself. No one can do it for me. I must assimilate. And what I can't assimilate, I must eliminate. When I must eliminate, I must do it for myself and no one can do it for me. Well, isn't that a slave of the body? So I take upon myself a body and become a slave of it. So the richest man in the world, the wisest man in the world, must perform all the normal, natural functions of the body himself or herself, and he can't pass it off to any slave in the world. So am I not then a slave of the body? Can you conceive of wanting to perpetuate it through eternity, to have a body similar to this, where it must assimilate and eliminate? Well, I can't conceive of such a thing as desirable. I can't. And you do not, for you are spirit. And so flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven, for God is spirit, and only the spirit can. These bodies one day will be taken off after the birth of from above takes place within you and the entire drama of Christ unfolds within us. But the richest, the most powerful, cannot command anyone to perform for them these normal natural functions of the body. 
if they're not normal and natural, they are sick. My old friend Abdullah said, Neville, if anyone tries to upstage you in this world, but anyone, he was very down to earth, a brilliant, wonderful mystic who spoke and wrote Hebrew and he understood all the great mysteries. He said to me one day, Neville, if anyone ever tries to upstage you to make you feel little and he is big, make a mental image of him sitting on the toilet and you'll bring him right down to earth for that cannot be any lower. So make a mental image of him sitting just there performing the normal natural functions and taking care of himself too. Well, that is the most marvelous thing. You meet someone who thinks he's so important or she is so important. She's the most fashionable person in the world and she's numbered among the three and a half billion in the world as one of the 10 best dressed women in the world. Make the mental image if she ever tries to upstage you and see how well-dressed she is. Good night. And this concludes The Only God Is I Am by Neville Goddard. We have some cool, interesting stuff. The story of Miss Needy, who was able to manifest $50,000 by saying, I am wealthy, I have $50,000 in cash. Once again, I ask everyone, in a lot of these stories where manifestation occurs, somebody is dying and giving money in a will. So wouldn't you feel a little bit guilty for saying I am wealthy and I have $50,000 as the cause of this person's passing? Maybe it's not the cause, but certainly could be. So I always wonder if that's really a success story, if I'm able to imagine it. I am wealthy. I have 50000 in cash and nobody had to die for it. Maybe I'll say that. This lecture goes really to the crux of what Neville is constantly saying to us. That God is not the third person. God is not even in the second person. You're not praying to God as a separate person ever. The only time that you will ever meet God is in the first person. As you. Coming from within. He continually explains this experience that we have that it's coming from within so the question for you is can you keep the tense not placing this in the future or the past but using the i am in the now i am wealthy can you say that in the now and keep the tense that is when you will hit your mark and there is no sinning involved for if you're like me the word sin is loaded it's triggering it brings back memories of Sunday school. But sinning is just simply our failure of our imagination and thinking the wrong thoughts and bringing about things we don't want. That's all it is. That's missing the mark. That's when a sin is happening. When we're using our imagination incorrectly, thinking incorrect thoughts or following into our fears, that's when we are sinning. And as he says, before I came, you weren't even sinning. So without the power of God, our thoughts just go away. But once our thoughts are imbued with the power of God, then that's when we sin. We make mistakes because we see the effects of our thoughts in the outside world. Gotta love the answer at the end. If you ever have somebody that lords over you, that manipulates and controls you, that tries to say that they are so special and powerful over you, just look at them and imagine them on the toilet going to the bathroom. That's what Neville did. And it will undermine their seeming psychological 
hold that they perhaps have over you. Remember, we are the gods that came down. And as he explains, we had to drink the drink of complete forgetfulness to play these parts. The veil of forgetting was lifted over us. For us to truly play these parts, we had to forget who we truly are. The best actor has to forget who they are once they leave the dressing room and they step upon the stage they have to believe that they are this character and the only way that we can do that is to forget who we are and through this process we are now coming back to who we truly are i am use the power of the i am for whatever it is you want invoke the power of the i am in all things the i am teaching is a subtle teaching it took me a while to truly understand it even though I had read it, I didn't understand it. I am is an experiential teaching. It is understanding that you are God and what your experience of being God is. When you believe it, when you believe that you are God and you go into the I am with that belief, as he declares here that faith is key. If you believe that you are God, perhaps there's a part of you that doesn't believe that. And that's very easy to understand. Of course you feel that way. That's what we are taught. In some countries, it could put you in jail by saying that. But you are God. When you can believe that you are God, then all things are possible. So whatever you're struggling with, you can overcome. You can move any mountain. You can change any circumstance. All things are possible when you believe that you are God. Because the only God is I am. And the only God that man will never outgrow and therefore never lose is the God he knows in the first person present tense experience. When he finds this, then he knows. You can find all episodes of The Reality Revolution at therealityrevolution.com. Check out the Neville Goddard playlist. We got so many other cool lectures from this amazing teacher. I would love it if you checked out my art. You can find it at www.newearth.art. And welcome to the Reality Revolution.